Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. you coming into this season that you would have a guy like Adam Frazier who could play all over the place and he's going to early on midway through May be hitting 320 somewhere around there okay with an OPS of 852 would you think that he would then become a piece that you could move to pick up prospects as this season went on because didn't we discuss this when we were sitting around talking in the offseason, that although they won't call it a rebuild, it is a rebuild, and you could you might be able to get something for him, but he needs to perform because he's actually performing right now. So he's he may have some value if he keeps this up. I mean, he has value. I the bad part about him this year is his glove has kind of fallen off, which was his calling card. I feel like he would have even more value at that point in time, but we talked about before, Chris, that guys that, you know, you could be a gold glover and, you know, get dropped the next day because if you're not hitting, then it doesn't matter. So he's kind of even himself out in that respect. I'm just still wondering, I mean, as a bench piece, I know he could have value. I guess it's whether or not, number one, Ben Sherrington thinks it's enough value based on the offers because he was... He was openly shopping him, you know, in the offseason with no takers, which you really can't blame them because he didn't hit last year. He's hit fairly well every other year. Right now, he might be hitting, you know, a little bit better than you would expect uh, based on, you know, his average. But he's a guy that's a streaky player. But this time, the streak has lasted at least two weeks longer than it normally does because it's usually like a week or two and it's like a flash in the pan. But here's my part is, is like, at what point, you know, do you move on from this guy? Like you, it's almost like strike when the iron's hot is where I'm at. Because if he starts performing poorly, then you're almost like kind of holding on to him again. I I don't know. It's like, he's a middle ground guy for me. I saw a list of teams right now that are getting just devastated by injuries that have expectations of making into the postseason. Like the Dodgers are just devastated right now. The Mets spent a ton of money in the offseason. I didn't think it was enough for them to make the postseason, but they might be sitting there saying, man, we need another body that can play in the infield and in the outfield. The White Sox are down two of their three starting outfielders. There's a team that is rated in the power rankings, depending on who you're looking at, as one of the top three teams in all of Major League Baseball right now early in the season, but they're hurting, and they could use a guy that can go out and stand in left field or in center field or in right field and, and use their glove and be moved into the infield when they need to give somebody a rest. There are all kinds of teams looking for an Adam Frazier, but the question is, can you convince them that this is what you're going to get, right? 
And you might find a team that's like, I mean, think about it. Some of those teams are just looking for a month. They're looking for a month, maybe two of Adam Frazier. If they can get this right now, what he's doing, they would give something up because they just need to build a bridge until the guys that are injured come back. They just need to have a little bit more depth because so many guys are getting injured all over Major League Baseball. That might be a plus for the Pirates overall. The amount of injuries, not only to players, but to pitchers, because the grind is just going to get worse for guys that are not used to going 162 because they haven't done it now in a, in two years. The, the pandemic season, I think, is having an effect on conditioning. It's having a, definitely having an effect on pitchers. Look at all the pitcher injuries. Okay, but also we're seeing guys with weird injuries, especially outfielders and utility players. They're just getting eaten up. I mean, like I used to think that the Dodgers had depth. I saw a list of their injuries they're dealing with right now. It's insane. So, I mean, that might play into a positive for the Pirates if they were willing to move on. They might be able to get a piece that comes up later on down the road, and you're like, where do we get this guy from? Oh, that was the Frazier deal. They might get that. It's uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, Chris. So. Right. For me, like you're about 40 games into the season, you know, for the most part across Major League Baseball, you still have, you know, 122 games to go. So I don't know where, at what point in time, some of these teams, you know, panic and, you know, think, you know what, we can't, we can't stay where we're at. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, some of the teams that are around them. I mean, you mentioned the White Sox, Chris. The White Sox, uh, they, they got a little bit of a challenge, you know, from Cleveland, but, you know, Kansas City came back down to earth. And Minnesota, who was supposed to be one of their main competitors, is sitting 10 and a half games back. Yeah, they they eviscerated Minnesota last week, and they're, they're doing an early week set in Minnesota right now. And they are without not only the two outfielders that they have, but they're missing Jose Abreu, the MVP of the American League last year. He's out for the entire series. There's a team that's just riddled with injuries. Like, you're right. They're way out in front. I think more of the Dodgers when I talk about a Frazier because they love guys that are versatile and they have so many. Chris Taylor's down right now. You just saw Seager get injured and he's going to be out for a while. Gavin Lux has not made them very happy. Bellinger is not available. He, like, he plays outfield and then comes in the first base. He's out. They, have, they just went out and signed Albert Pujols just so they could have a bat against lefties because... That way they can move Muncie over to second because they have so many holes right now on their everyday roster. They have so many injuries. That's the kind of team that I think would be like, hey, uh, Pittsburgh, you see this abundance of talent we have? Why don't we give you this guy? I, I'm surprised nobody's calling it, but maybe you're right. Maybe maybe teams are waiting. Maybe the Pirates aren't ready to move on from, from Adam Frazier. Although you and I both believe that there's only a handful of guys on this team, and it's a very small amount, that really are going to be here when this team is competing in a couple of years. And I don't know if he's going to be there. This is 29-year-old season. By the time this team is good, maybe 32? You know? Maybe that's where he is when, when he's around. Is he really going to be of value to you at that point, especially based on what he's done up to this point? So I think somebody's going to knock on the door at some point for Adam Frazier, and it's probably going to be because of all these injuries that are out there. Before we get to our guest, who's our guest today? Um, our guest is former first-round pick uh, in 1995, Chad Hermanson. A guy that tore up the minors like, I mean, pretty much you wouldn't believe was compared as the next Barry Bonds. I want to talk to him about, you know, tr kind of like uh, those mental blocks and stuff that come uh, for players that are developing. Also, he was a scout. 
uh, for the Angels for many years and some players that he looked at and what you were like looking at uh, for players developmentally to see when they were ready to take that next step. And some guys that you know you might want to stay away from. He, I feel like he is pretty much an expert on, you know, what can go wrong. And also, you know, as a, as a scout, like what can go right? I mean, he was a, he was a scout for the, the angels for a long time and they got, they scouted some pretty good players at that point in time. And he was also a coach down in Texas for a little while, a f- pretty famous uh, player from Texas. He was a coach of, so you guys will have to listen for that. He, he reminds me of Billy Bean's story. They don't really get into it too much in the movie Moneyball, but if you read the book Moneyball, that he was a can't-miss prospect, that he was going to be the next great whatever, fill in the blank. That's what he was going to be. And then he floundered, and he was out. And that's exactly what happened here with our guest that's coming up. He floundered, and he was out. But it's guys like that that are better at identifying who are guys like them. They They can look at a prospect's eyes and be like, oh, man, you remind me of me. I'm not taking you. Yeah, <laughs> that's how Billy Bean built his entire team off the idea of, you know what? I don't care what their body shape is and what they're projected to be. What do they actually do? And I don't really care what they look like. And I, cause he was looking out for guys like that when he started doing what he was doing. And you know, he's a very successful, I mean, you could say, well, he's never won a world series. Well, he's never going to win one without any kind of a budget, but I mean, he, he knows how to identify talent and sometimes knows which guys to avoid. So that'll be a great conversation. No, what I wanted to get you with before we get to him was that I'm coaching T-ball. Oh, yeah, Herd and Cats. Herd yeah, and Cats. Herd, Herd and Cats, which is coaching T-ball. The name of my team, the Iron Pigs. I realized today they're all minor league baseball teams for a 1,000 points and me feeling as though you are a genius, Craig, and you are completely unprepared here. Name me who the Iron Pigs are a part of. The Iron oh, Pigs the- are a triple-A team out of Lehigh, Pennsylvania. And they have a they have a major league team. Which team are they the AAA affiliate for? Are they the AAA affiliate for the Yankees? No. They are not the, 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 the Phillies. The Phillies, that's what it is. Yeah, it's Lehigh Valley. Yeah, somebody was talking about the Iron Pigs and I to tell you the truth it was I can't remember what exactly an iron pig is but it isn't what you think it is hey look i think it's the coolest hat ever i'm wearing one right now while we're talking that's what this is on my head and it's it's literal their their symbol is a pig made out of iron it's got rivets in it i think it's i think it's awesome my kids my kids on my team they just walk around like where do you iron pigs (laughs) they don't know what it is they just love it they they absolutely love my kid my my five-year-old walks around with that hat on all the time he's like it's an iron pig see it it's like a pig and it's made out of iron. Like he's into tornadoes. He's into trains. For some strange reason, he's into Big Ben, the clock in London, and he's into iron pigs right now. There's there's nothing wrong with being in, into iron pigs. I think that's that's a that's a pretty cool and it's a pretty cool hat, so I can't I can't blame him. The big guest for this week's show is up next. This is Bucks in the Basement found everywhere podcast can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? 
It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Uh, today I bring to you guys Chad Hermanson, former first round pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates back in 2000, back in 1995. Chad, how you doing today, brother? Craig, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. And and like I said, I I almost said 2000 and something because I realized how old we both are. You know, <laughs> you know, Chad, getting into baseball as as a 17 year old kid and making your you know major league debut at, at the age of 21 after experiencing you know such success in you know double AA, A, triple A. I look at your numbers and I see. One year's 24 home runs, 20 home runs, 28 home runs, and then 32 home runs in 19, uh, you know, 99, right before you make your debut. Uh, one of, you know, the top prospects, not just within the Pirates system, but, you know, in all of baseball. Uh, kind of take me through, you know, the development process of, you know, a kid that young that's going to go through the minors and sometimes be asked to step on to, you know, a national stage I with a major league baseball club. It's easy. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> simple. It's it's simple. It's so easy. Yeah. No, man. It was uh. Again, I, I appreciate having me on. I'm glad we were able to get our schedules lined up after a few months of, of trying to figure it out. But but no, man. It, it's it was a long time ago in regards to you know getting drafted as a 17 year old. The high expectations. You know, being the being the first shortstop taken you know, and, and kind of really starting out on fire. You know, I, I was seven for eight in my first two, uh, two games, you know, and I, everyone's like, how do you, how, you, I don't think you'd even draw it up to have a better start than that. And um, Woody Heike, uh, who was my manager at the time, had the quote of, I think it was in Baseball America, you know, Chad walks on water. Um, my wife, and I joke all the time, like, well, you were doomed from that point. <laughs> <In regards> to, <laughs> you, you could not live up to that expectation. You could not. Like, you are screwed, Chad, you know. Um, but, no, I mean, going as a 17, 18-year-old, you know, my whole goal, you know, I wanted to sign out of high school. I wanted to get to the big league as quickly as possible. Um, and I did, right? I kind of I zoomed through the system pretty quickly. Um and on the surface, it looked really good. Like all those home runs you mentioned and all the success against kids, I guess I should say men that were 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. And I'm still in my teens, um, you know, just crushing it, right? Just doing really well. And I was able to hang with those guys in regards to, I, I thought, maturity. Um, you know, my coaches and managers, I was kind of praised my – I guess my maturity levels because they, they felt I blended really well. You know, that's probably, I would say most first round picks when you're doing your homework on those guys yeah. as a former scout. Now, like you get, like if you're drafting a high school kid, you, you know, you better know that he can handle um, the adversity of, of playing against better competition, you know, right away. And so I was able to do that along the lines of that. And underneath that surface was, um, you know, my, my throwing yips at, at shortstop, yeah. you know, trying to figure out 
I could throw it pretty hard over there, but I had no clue where it was going. Um, and now I, I kind of was always that way. I, I kind of explained I was always a chucker instead of a <laughs> really having the accuracy <laughs> that is required, you know, to play at that high level. Um, I would get it in the vicinity, but um, come to find out is I, I always thought it was the yips and the more people I've talked to, um, and it probably was, it was probably a big portion of that, but I, I have an extremely tight body and shoulder and upper area region. And I've talked to doctors about this and, um, Dr. Yoakum who passed away with the, he was with the angels for years in my last year with the angels. Um, I ended up tearing my labrum. Oh, wow. And it's kind of ironic. I, my hope, I, the only year I had in the big leagues where I was there the whole year, except I started in the DL. It was, uh, what year was that? It was 2002. Um, it was the only year I was up. I started the year in the DL cause I pulled a hammy late in spring training. Um, I was out of options, but once I got called up to the, once I was healthy, ready to go, I was brought up and I was with the pirates the rest of the year until I got traded to the Cubs, you yeah. know, that trading deadline. But that whole time, that whole season, that off season prior, I had really bad shoulder issues and I had a torn labrum. And so, um, without, we didn't know it was torn. It was just like, I had days I could barely lift it. Um, cortisone shots were getting me, got me through that whole year. And then come to find out, I get traded the Cubs. Uh, I'm still really struggling to even perform and, and kind of, you know, taking a ton of ibuprofen uh, back then it was Oxycontin, yeah. <laughs> which I think is, is banned. I think now, you know, they took that away. Um, but trying to, trying to get through and do everything you possibly can. Cause I'm like, my, the pirates drafted me. Right. So I'm like, dude, I want to do everything I possibly can. I, I want to be the next Andy Vance flight. You know, yeah. I want to be, you know, they, the label was you're the best outfield prospect we've had since Barry Bonds. Um, so that started to, that didn't really hit me until I got to the big leagues. Right, because when you're in the minors, you're just kind of cruising along. You're playing the game. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fans, but you're you're not really too worried. Uh, then I got to the big leagues at such a young age. Now the spotlight's on you. Absolutely. Right now you're you screw up, dude. You're on ESPN, you know type thing. So I started to have those negative thoughts in the mental game, which I which now I realize I really lacked of really being able to handle that, and my. And people that I've been around, I was like, well, Chad, well, who could really handle that at 21, you know, 22 years old? Um, and you can't, you, the answer could be, well, well, a Mike Trout can, you know, a Bryce Harper can, Chris Bryant, you know, but Chris Bryant is 24. These are yeah. Vegas guys that are kind of popping into my head. Absolutely. But, but at the end of the day, I was, I didn't have that, that mental, I had the physical sk- skills to do it. Um, I, the mental part was really a, the biggest struggle for me. Um, the, if you, if you follow my career really closely, I, I really hate discussing it cause it sounds like I make excuses about it. Um, but the whole story of when McClendon changed my swing the second day in the big leagues yeah. and, and it really, and it was more or less, it, it really confused me as a young player. It really made me lose trust in, in what hitting coaches do. And as a young kid, I was like, man, I, you told me to do this at one point and I did it. Now I get back up here and you're kind of having me do the exact opposite. Like it just created confusion for me, you know, in my, my 21 year old brain. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't understand this and I can't figure it out. So, um, 
you kind of, I, I got to the point where I kind of lacked uh, some trust with hitting coaches. And I was more like, I'll just figure this out and maybe ask these guys if they see something. Um, Cause I did felt I could always hit, you know, and I could always get there and do it. Um, yeah. And you, de- and you definitely could, you definitely could. And, and even you showed it at, you know, 25 years old, you're, you're in the Dodgers minor league system. You bring your average back up. The power starts coming back again. I, you, you go into, you know, I think it was like, I think it was either Florida and, and New York in like 2007, right before the end. And, and you showed still yet again that, that you could, you could do it. Like it, it was, it was always there. And it's, it's that, it's that part where, you know, with what you're doing now and what you had done previously, I wanted to go to like, kind of like that scouting part of it. Uh, and when you're looking, said you're looking for a high school player, you you better make sure he has you know the the physical, you know, and the mental makeup. So you know what what like kind of like separates guys because when you get drafted or if you're on you know the minor league teams like you were, like you were probably the best player, if not one of the best players in you know your area. Once you got to the minor leagues, you're you know, one of the best, if not the best player on, you know, your minor league team. So what kind of ends up, you know, separating those guys when you're scouting them to try to see, okay, how can I project this development, you know, up until their, you know, early 20s and, you know, late 20s sometimes for, you know, some guys that don't, you know, show up on the scene until they're 27. Like, what are you looking for, you know, in those types of players? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I spent the last eight years scouting for the angels, the high school level, you know, it's you're, you're scouting the best players in your area. You you're looking for the whole job. Really part of it is you're grading those five tools um, that need to be a position player, grading the tools, pitcher, uh, you're grading all the pitches, right? Deception, delivery, and you're getting all this stuff on paper while also collecting a lot of video uh, data. Um, and then the, those top high school kids, you know, the job would be you go into the house and you get to know the kid. You know, it's a, it's very difficult if you're – it was a lot easier for me in Vegas where I would participate and coach one of the local scout teams and I would get the kid out on the field and I'd really get to see what he like is like interacting with his, with his teammates. You know, what does he do when he has gone over four with, with three strikeouts? You know, how does he – what what is his reaction? Does he get completely down on himself? Does he bury himself? Um, you know, is he on suicide watch going over twenty? Anyone can really tell a talent. You know, it, the athleticism it's just there. Um, I I was a coach at Bishop Gorman for Joey Gallo's senior year. Oh wow! You know, this one year I coached in high school. That's actually kind of what intrigued me about scouting when all these scout stars showing up and Joey Gallo was six five, two hundred and fifteen pounds, just a already just a, an incredible physique, right? Yeah. Hit the ball four fifty plus, but had a lot of swing and miss and could throw ninety five. He actually hit a hundred in one of our games. Just the tools are just off the charts, right? Um so that that's easy to scout. You know, it's like, well duh, he's <laughs> he's good. He's a man, you know, and uh, you know, it's it's not that hard to do, but the, when it gets harder is the those kids that, you know, if you're not that Joey Gallo, that superstar type, it's a lot harder to obviously get drafted out of high school. You know, they end up in college. Uh, there's a lot more. Not only do they have to develop physically, but a lot of the kids that I would interview in college, um, and here's an example, Kevin Newman. So uh, Kevin Newman was in my area at Arizona, uh, one of my favorite players that I've scouted. 
Um, was he playing? He was second and short for the Bucks right now. Um, two, 2015 draft, he was number number one on my list. I want I wanted Kevin Newman. Um, just loved how he, he's a perfect example of he was a smaller guy in high school, not quite developed physically. He had some good tools and um, could really hit, but didn't have a lot of thump in his bat. So that's what an extra three years did for him going to Arizona and, in, and obviously winning batting titles in the Cape Cod League. Um, just starting to really improve year after year and just like, okay, you know, and I'm sure the pirates like this is the next J bell. Yeah. You know, that that's probably what they're we're thinking because he fits that profile and exactly kind of what, what J bell did as a player. Um, but those are the kind of guys that it just takes an extra two to three years and they they turn into first round picks. I know a lot of times when fans are watching, uh, you know, especially like a team like the pirates or somebody else and you see, you know, a player have success and a player struggle and, and, you know, people are trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with them. Is it the mental aspect? Is it something, is there a mental block there? Is it, you know, the confidence? Everybody will say, well, does he have enough confidence in himself? Other people are saying, you know, it's, no, it's in the execution. It's, you know, he's not executing his pitches. And then they'll always go back to, okay, is he not executing his pitches because, or, you know, not seeing the ball the way he used to or not, you know, approaching the plate the way he used to because of this mental block. So I guess I would, it'd be kind of difficult for you to answer this, but I'm just wondering, like, how can you, uh, you know, somebody look at a player and figure out, is this, you know, is this a problem with the physical tools that have always been there? Or is this a problem with, you know, something that you mentally is, is kind of just holding them back a little bit. It is hard to do that, but I know a lot of teams that for, they would do uh, the mental, test um some type of psychological type test that you know they would give to players when i was with the angels we never did that um at, at a heavy capacity they would kind of change things up um i think some of the top guys they would you know bring a third party in as far as a company goes and give them some type of psychological test and kind of see you know what their answers are um but the problem with that too is you don't know if the kid's lying you know you don't know if he's trying to just tell you what he wants to hear you know, what you want to hear as an organization. So it, it's one of those things where, um, and I think where baseball is doing it finally right is almost every team, and I'm pretty much sure every team has a mental skills coach, yeah. right? Somebody they can go to. They're, I believe some have it for just the big leaguers, but I think what they do is they put, put a staff together um, for an organization. One of my buddies, one with the Braves, and so he kind of heads up that organization and has a couple of people that work right within the organization. Um, and, and that doesn't mean, and maybe you have a program that that players can, or a system, right. That they're kind of going through. Um, but every kid is different. Um, and one thing that I have personally done, cause I, I've been certified in a couple of different aspects of teaching. Like I teach a mental performance mastery program. Um, and then I also got into, it's what's called EFT tapping. EFT is emotional freedom techniques where you and I, you know, as we're in our young forties, we've, we've had certain things in whether it's traumas that have happened in our life that kind of get stuck in our body. Like we, and I call them mental bricks. Yeah. Right. They, we've just kind of held on to them. So for example, my first, like my, my interaction with Lloyd McClendon, who I still, I love to this day, but there was a part that, happened for me that I had a lot of resentment about and he had no idea about, but I was like, 
it really it it has bothered me for years and years and years and and I've just really up until this point not too long ago been able to do some EFT tapping with it to clear what would be considered as an emotional trauma for me right because I I felt that deep right and, and when it's deep it it blocks you from wanting to go out and perform and it and it's a it's a weight right you kind of feel that heaviness to it so it's an emotional thing. I think working the mental game is not only is it a mental thing, but it's an emotional thing, right? Because when you lose, you you go back to that clubhouse, you want to flip a chair, you know, you you want to do all these things, but you learn how to control it. But that's a huge combination of the mental and emotional game of it. I mean, I know you're not you're not big on Twitter, you're not a big Twitter guy. We we know that, and, and neither am I for the most part. But if anybody wants to, they need to follow, you know, Chad Hermanson and. I know your name was spelled wrong by a lot of people within, you know, the Pittsburgh, just everything, because everyone wants to spell it S-O-N, but it's Ch- it's it's Chad, H-E-R-M-A-N-S-E-N, um, and that's on Twitter. Uh, he's got his videos out there, The Mental Edge. He's also got the podcast and got, you know, the, the legacy coming here. So, man, Chad, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today, brother. I really, I really appreciate this. Hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it, and I've been doing a lot of the the YouTube stuff. It's Mental Edge Training Coach is my channel um, on YouTube and also the podcast. Um, and then if you have a player that you'd love me to work with, I, I'm working with a kid in Boston and Kentucky. So I'm starting to get out to that East Coast. I would love to work with kids from Pittsburgh. Um, but you can, you can reach me. Uh, my email is uh, chad at legacysportsclubhouse.com are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year then you should be checking out westgate music school private music lessons for all instruments including guitar piano drums voice bass guitar violin banjo ukulele and more are you a vocalist are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group westgate music school offers group classes for rock band acapella vocal and barbershop quartet Plus, it's all online. That's right. From anywhere in the country, you can learn any instrument you want with Westgate Music School. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, westgatemusicschool.com. All right, buddy, before we get out of here, you and I are hitting the town this coming weekend. I'm excited about it, all right? We're going to be bouncing around. I haven't been to 412 Brewing. We're going there. I know that. Where where are we going? Give give everybody where we're going to be. Maybe they want to catch up with us because I'm going to bring the mics out. And we might just do next week's show while we're out drinking in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, on on Friday night, we are going to be at Patrick's Pub, which is uh, out here in Moon Township, Pennsylvania. It's about a stone's throw from my house, which is my favorite place to drink on a Friday night because I can just, you know, stumble home. Uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be down at 412 Brewing, uh, probably right when they open, right around noon on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to get my drink on there. After that, we're going to be heading over to uh, Couch Brewing. Uh, we're going to be there, I would probably say, around like uh, maybe like 2, 3 o'clock. And then we're going to be down. Uh, hopefully, Sly Fox is going to be doing their pop-up. Uh, they do uh, that down in the south side. If not, we'll be at Sly Fox at the point uh, to check out the Pirate Game. So you guys can come down and watch the Pirate Game with us on Saturday night. Yeah, come on out. You still got you still got keychains, right? You still got some swag we can hand out, things like yeah, that I for got, the fans. I got, I got some keychains, man. All right, yeah. yeah. So you can you can see us at the beginning of that brewery tour around noon at four one two. 
You can see us, you know, just kind of happy, happy drunk when we get to Couch Brewing, or you can see us sloppy at uh, Sly Fox. So, I mean, all all those experiences are worth it, and uh, we should have a great time, or you can just meet us up at Patrick's Pub on Friday night. All right, we will see you very soon. This is Bucks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Now I see the changes in this town. They change.